Children thrive on structure, so there has to be some structure, but too much structure also may be too difficult for some children. So somewhere in the middle with some flexibility, with some structure, it really works the best for most families. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting the Jews Next Door. My name is Rabbi Yair Manchel, a parenting coach and an educator and a parent of children just like you who are on the journey of the best possible way to raise our children to be passionate and committed Jews. In this episode, we are going to be doing a little bit of a different pre-Pesach episode where we don't focus as much on the Seder or, you know, Seder night, but on the Seder in terms of routine, in terms of routine when holidays come and routine gets tossed out the window and we, you know, our children, you know, have a hard time with that. How do, how do we best you know, prepare ourselves and our children to be able to deal with that when our when the routine goes out the window. And how do we also promote independence in terms of, you know, helping with cleaning and with chores and, and with so much more. So we have this amazing episode, Dr. Robin Axrod, who is an incredible, incredible source of wisdom on this topic. And uh, without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting the Jews Next Door. We are here, a very special episode for pre-Pesach. And uh, thank you so much to Dr. Robin Axrod, who is the program director at LIU Brooklyn and the author of two books of Myot Journey Planner and Quintessential Occupational Therapy and also developer of the Myot Journey podcast, which is very cool. And uh, really, really appreciate taking the time. And, you know, we're excited to talk tonight about... Uh, Establishing routines and independence, you know, Pesach, uh, you know, many parents are focusing more on the ways to prepare for the Seder and, you know, cleaning and, you know, making the Seder engaging and and interactive, but, uh, and, and those are all great and it's an amazing focus. And another thing to to focus on, um, is, you know, parents are very busy with, you know, whether, you know, Pesach with kids, (laughs) how to make Pesach with kids. And when kids are around, what should we do when we're trying to clean and we have our children around and how to, how to motivate them to be independent and to play independently and how do we get them involved in the cleaning, all these different things. So we're very excited. We're going to, we're going to dive right in to talk about routines and thank you really again so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Okay. So I guess let's, let's get right into routines. You know, first things first, what is your definition of routine in homes? So I think routine, the definition of routine is going to be different for every family. Um, Every family has different routines. It looks different for every single family. So it will be different. Some families are super organized, super structured, and some are are not. And I think whatever works is really a good routine for each family. And I think that you really have to look at your own family, see what's working, see what's not working, and build your routine based on that. Sure. So would you say that, like, within a family who is less, less, let's say, more structured, what, what would an, an ideal, I guess, routine look like in that type of family? I guess we'll go to both, you know, what, what would you like, what would you say it looks like in each? So I think there has to be some flexibility. I think a family with a, a, a routine that's too rigid is not good, but I think a family with too much flexibility and no routine is also, or no structure is also a problem. Uh-huh. Children thrive on structure. So there has to be some structure, but too much structure also may be too difficult for some children. So somewhere in the middle with some flexibility, with some structure, it really works the best for okay. most families. And what does that structure look like? I mean, obviously like you said, it, it changes per family and changes based on the needs of the key of the, of the children. But what's, what's the, you know, what's, I guess, what's the minimum amount of structure that it, you know, that should look like. So they should have certain routines that are built into the schedule. So homework time, bath time, play time, one-on-one time with parents, if possible. Sure. Um, 
-hmm. Again, that's going to change. It could change night to night. It could change, you know, before Yantif or after Yantif. But there should be set times that they know are going to happen every single night or every single day. When you say set times, means like when you come off the bus, 10 minutes later, we're starting homework. And that's just like, that's a set thing. As opposed to like, one night it'll be right when you get home, one night it'll be a half hour later, one night it'll be after dinner. Right. So you're saying to have a set routine of, of what Yeah, it so it doesn't have to be like five o'clock on the dot, but right. around five o'clock, you sure. should, you know, you should be starting to do, you know, this and that. Got it, got yeah. it, got it. I guess, and let's look at the other type, you know, when when it's not as, a family is not as structured. Right, so, what, so that's difficult. Um, a lot of times that's where the family training and the parent training comes in, sort of, you know, explaining to parents that children really do well with structure and, and the parents may not even realize that, their families, you know, or their schedules not structured, you know, and that, that may be a conversation too, but, um, building some basic sets of structure, which may be hard for that parent is important. So again, it wouldn't be as rigid or as scheduled, but in general, these are the times that you're going to have at night. You're going to have, you know, bath time, you're going to have meal time, you're going to have homework time with some flexibility, but with a time, you know, within the half hour of getting off the bus, you're going to be starting your homework and then you're going to be having dinner and then you're going to be bathing. That is important for children. It's important because otherwise, you know, there's, there's just, there's, there are no rules. There's no, there's no set schedule and they are just doing their own thing, which is not great for them. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is it that children thrive so much on structure? So they like to know that someone's in charge of their lives, you know? Um, Yeah. Which, which really you would think (laughs) not, right. You would think like, no, children want to be independent. They do want to be independent, but they also want to know at the end of the day that there's security and that there's a parent there for them that's running the show and that they're not running the actual show. Um, you know, so. And with teens, I assume that that changes. That changes a lot. The dynamics really change as the children become adolescents and get older. Um, The routines totally change. And I I sort of like, just like um, a two-year-old may be manipulative or have their own, you know, independence and want to be independent. Same thing with teenagers. It's sort of like a dance that you have to play with them. You know, um, it's a give and take. So, you know, it's really working with the child. Every child's so different. Every teenager is so different. Every toddler is so different. Seeing what they need and building your parenting around their needs. Sure, sure. And what does that mean exactly? Meaning like, how does a parent understand like, oh, this child is a very, you know, structured child. And this child really needs me to be a little more hands off. Like how does a parent pick up on those cues, especially I guess when they're younger and then, you know, as they, as they develop and get older. So really by observation, um, you know, so every child is totally different. Um, seeing how they respond to certain routines, see how, see how they respond to certain rules, um, will really tell you, do they tantrum? Do they not tantrum? So what if, like if, uh, if a child, let's say is, is tantruming or is reacting really negatively, sometimes a parent might just react by saying, well, no, like this is, this is the structure that, so how, at what point does a parent say, okay, this is really not working? Right. Or do we, you know, at what point do they say, we, I should keep pushing or no, 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 this is, this is now go. So there needs to be some flexibility. Um, really, I think understanding yourself as a parent and being self-aware as a parent comes before that. First, you have to be aware of yourself, how you react in certain situations, because that definitely feeds off into the t- kids. If a child feels that you're stressed or you're anxious or what they're doing is making you anxious or stressed, mm-hmm. that may feed into that and they may just do more defiant behavior. So really understanding yourself, understanding how you respond to them is the first step. Okay. After that, you could sort of pick apart, you know, how they're responding, why they're responding. Was there something that happened that made them upset or that made them act out? Um, Is it a sensory issue that they're having a hard time with a certain activity or a certain type of structure? And then from there, you can understand the child better. Totally, totally, totally. So I guess, you know, as we, uh, you know, as as we're doing this, you know, pre-Pesach and this this will be aired before before Pesach. So, you know, Pesach or any holiday really brings 
a lot of busyness, especially Pesach. And, you know, how do we maintain routine when things like that come along? I mean, there's, 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 there's the pre-Pesach busyness. And then even like Cholmoy, like we're not necessarily going to have bath time at the same time because we might not even be home for like three hours till the time we usually take a bath. So that's like, I feel like pre-Pesach is in certain ways throws the routine a little bit. And then like the actual Chag and Cholmoy, especially throws routine. So what do, what do we do? How do we maintain the routine? Or should we be maintaining routine during those times? Right. So uh, again, like as a parent, you have to give yourself some leeway, right? You can't be hard on yourself and saying, my kids are acting out, you know, they're so tired. They're so hyper. They're this and that. Because before Pesach, during Pesach and after Pesach is a very hectic time in yeah. from family. Very, very hectic. So the first thing is really setting a schedule, setting a schedule as a parent of what needs to get done so that you're organized going into Pesach with a schedule. I need to do this this week. I need to do that this week. I need to go shopping. I need to clean this, this room, that room, whatever it may be. Set yourself a guidebook of what you're going to do in what time frame. So what needs to get done before Pesach and don't cram it all together because we know that cramming leads to stress. <laughs> stress leads to, you totally. know, difficult times with the children. So really schedule your, whatever your pre-Pesach looks like so that you have enough time to get things done, even with, you know, sick children or other appointments, things right. that may come up. Sure. So that's the first thing. Set yourself up with a schedule of what needs to get done. The second thing is really about expectations. You know, don't have these high expectations, right? You're going to do your best. You're going to try your hardest. You want Pesach to be, or pre-Pesach, during Pesach, and post-Pesach to be a good vibe time. You want to leave Pesach feeling that it was a great yanta for you and your children. Now, I know for myself as a child... I had a very straight, st- stressful pre-Pesach. My mother was very into cleaning early on. And yeah, I really had... Same, same. I totally relate to that. <laughs> when I became an adult, I, I realized this. As a child, it wasn't so evident to me. But as, as an adult, starting my own pre-Pesach cleaning, I sort of understood that as a child, the vibes that I got in my house were stressful. So everyone was stressing about Pesach. And in my head, Pesach was a stressful holiday because right. of that. So... Again, we don't want to do this to our children. We mm. want to try as best to make it fun, exciting, loving the holiday, learning, being a family-oriented holiday instead of it being a stressful holiday. Right. So by setting a schedule of what needs to get done in a timely manner, that sort of sets you up for success for Yantif and for after Yantif. Now, as a therapist, I see children after Yantif, they are not the same as they were before because really? there was no structure during wow. pre and Yantif, but that is totally normal, totally yeah. normal and, and understandable. When so you say they're not the same. What does that they're mean? They're hyper, they're yeah. tired. Um, they're, they, they were lacking structure in school play group or being, you know, being some type of structured environment for about three weeks, yeah. a really long time. Yeah. And when they're lacking that they're used to being home sometimes, you know, doing their own thing, not learning as much and, you know, getting what they want sometimes just because everyone's busy right, right. and they come back to school and it's like, okay, back to learning, back to structure, but they, but they had three weeks of no structure. So it's, right. it's a hard transition, yeah, yeah. but again, it's totally normal, right? You think about, you know, when you go on vacation, right? So you're on vacation mode. And when you come back to work after vacation, it's super hard to get back into routine. So that's just something to think about. Those routines and that transition is totally normal. And if, if a child is acting out, having a hard time getting back into routine, that's okay. Ease them back in. Don't set your expectations so high that you're being upset at your child or you're, you know, you're, you're just screaming at them or whatever it may be. Right, right, right. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, especially with children who, like, you know, we were talking about before, like there are certain children who really do thrive off that routine. So how do we help them? Meaning besides for ourselves, right. how do we then help them when it's so like 
it's like it, the world for them becomes like chaos. Right. It's, it's falling like, apart. Right? Like, <laughs> it's falling it, apart. And especially for children who not just thrive off it, but get very, have like a tremendous amount of, let's say, anxiety or stress right. from, from that. So what do so we- So I think the first thing to do is to prep them before Pesach. So talk about Pesach, talk about what's happening. If they're going away, if they're going to someone's house- Talk to them before they go to sleep at night or during the day if you're home with them. Tell them stories about what's going to happen. Make it like a life story so that when they go into Pesach, they're prepared mentally mm. or slightly prepared about what's going to happen. So what you want to think about is um, explaining that to them. That will calm them down. And then when you get into Pesach, walking them through what's happening. So if they're going to someone's house and they're anxious about it, explain to them, I'm here with you. If you need something, come to mommy or we can read a book on the side. Right. Don't push them to be uncomfortable. It's already uncomfortable for them. Right, right. But I think Pesach and also these transitions are good for children that are so rigid. You have some children that, that are push them a little. super rigid and this <laughs> yeah. is a challenge for them, which is good because they don't really get that all year round. So yeah. I think a little bit of a challenge is good for these children, setting them a little bit out of routine. But again, explaining to them and assuring them that you're with them. You're there to support them. If it's too hard for them, you'll walk, take them on a walk or you'll go to a different room with them. Right. But they need to be exposed. It's totally. just important to have that. Especially exposure. for like children who, let's say during COVID who like didn't go anywhere yeah. for like, who are now like maybe for the first time or maybe the second time, like going somewhere for Pesach or going somewhere, you know, just in general, it's like, it's hard. Right. It's, it's really, it's, it's really hard. And, and COVID was, difficult, um, very difficult socially for a lot of children. A lot of children regressed academically. Yeah. So, you know, that definitely puts a, a challenge there for, for those children. Sure. For sure. Another component, which you already mentioned it, but we, now let's like dive into it is, is nighttime, you know, nighttime by Pesach or I mean, pre-Pesach also, cause like the routine, the, the cleaning, all that, but you know, hectic nights in terms of on Pesach itself. So I guess both pre-Pesach and I guess Halloween and then, you know, post, you know, all of that. How do, how do we deal with those hectic nights? So they're going to be challenging. They're definitely going to be challenging. Knowing that is important. Like knowing that you're half the battle. Yeah. Knowing that, like I remember when I had my first son and I was away for the Seder by my sister-in-law and like, I remember I had like no Seder. Like I was, he was running around. He wouldn't go to sleep. It was like really late and I was cranky and he was cranky and like, but I didn't know that beforehand. So knowing that it's going to be difficult, it's not going to be easy, you're there to help your child. You're mm -hmm. not, you know, if, if it means not sitting by the Seder table the entire night, you do, you do what you got to do. You have to be with your child. Um, you know, if they go to bed at eight o'clock on a regular basis, it may be 10 o'clock. It may be 11 o'clock. Understanding that maybe giving them a nap earlier in the day so they could stay up later is a good um, way to have them stay up later, but, or having them sleep late the next day, but knowing that it's going to be difficult and having the tools to prepare the child and yourself for that. If you're looking for a great way to have some good, clean, kosher fun with your children through the powerful effect of music, look no further because Jay Karaoke is here. Jay Karaoke gives one and all the platform to belt out their favorite tunes from a library of thousands of Jewish songs, hundreds of artists, and genres across multiple decades of incredible Jewish music. Personally, I know that I love singing. I love it. I love karaoke, but I was really never able to get into it because it wasn't the Jewish songs. And that's where Jay Karaoke comes in with their huge selection from the latest hits to the classics. They even have nursery rhymes for your little ones. And with features like key changes to help you sing, to make you more comfortable as you're singing and speeding it up or slowing down the song, they have really thought of everything. To enjoy Jewish karaoke your way, all you need to do is head to jkaraoke.com. Choose a subscription that fits for you. 
And to make it even more fun, you could purchase their state-of-art karaoke kit, which gives you the feeling as if you are today's top singer. You can insert whoever you feel it is. Connect your kit to any device, like it could be a laptop, a computer, a tablet, whatever it is. And you plug in your speaker, plug in your J karaoke microphone, and you sing away. It's as easy as that. That's all it is. And it's really fun. I checked out their website. Really looks amazing. They have an incredible, incredible amount of song selection. Anything you want. They got Thank You Hashem. They got Mordechai Shapiro. They really got it all. You can subscribe monthly for just $4.99 a month, yearly for $49.99. And we have a special deal here for you. For any of our listeners, if you use the code JewsNextDoor, D-O-R, you get an additional 10% off. And if you don't want your children to be using a device with internet, J Karaoke has got you covered. You can download the app onto your desktop. Once you have it up, turn off the internet, let them sing all day long without the internet. Check out J Karaoke today and let the fun begin. Right. And in terms of, I guess we'll go first pre-Pesach, like if you're trying, like you said, like to schedule it out and that means like every day you're trying to, you know, knock a little bit out of the cleaning and the, you know, the menu planning and all those different things. So how does, how do we not let, you know, our, our normal routine night, like, become so crazy hectic or, or it is becoming crazy hectic. How do we best help them manage it, our, ourselves manage it, all, all those different components? So I think if you schedule it so that the night shouldn't be as hectic before, mm-hmm. you know, Seder night, you can't really, you know, Seder, Seder. But beforehand, if you schedule things accordingly, try to keep the children's routine as regular as normal before Pesach, if possible at night. Right. It's important they get their sleep. If they don't get their sleep, you're not going to get your sleep. If you don't get your sleep, you're not going to be able to complete whatever you need to complete. Right. Sleep is important. So right. I think trying to keep their schedules as typical as possible beforehand is important. But for possible. like a parent who needs to, let's say, clean, like let's say their children don't go to sleep until let's say, let's say nine o'clock. Right. And the parent themselves gets hired, let's say around nine, nine thirty or whatever it is. Right. So they need to like clean. Right. So how do they, how do they, what, yeah. I would say either take a power nap and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then go clean afterwards or, you know, make your children part of the, part of the activity, help mm. them, let them clean. Children love to clean. They do. I'm not saying giving them any, you know, uh, crazy cleaning supplies or things like that, but even giving them just like a towel and some water, they can wipe things down. They like to spray, give them a spray water bottle, things like that. They they like to be part of the work. Children love to help and they think it's cool. They think cleaning is cool until they get a little older, right. but, <laughs> but, but that is part of the fun. So you're going to get help mommy clean. You help mommy, you know, wipe down the table, whatever it is, let them be part of the process. Even if they're not really cleaning, but in their eyes, they may feel like they're cleaning and you can get your work done. On interesting. The interesting. So even though if, yeah, I was, so was going to ask you, like, even if it's not actually like really helping you so much, but right. just to have yeah. them being, let feeling them like, feel they're, being like well. they're being part of it and praise them, give them a lot of praise and, you know, make them feel good about that you know, what they did, tell everyone else, tell their friends, tell your family members what they did. Like, and that would sort of boost them up, make them excited to do it the next night. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I think that's important having them part of the process in addition to actually the sensory benefits that come with cleaning. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of sensory benefits and learning actually and strengthening that comes with cleaning or that you could put into a cleaning activity. Right. So like squeezing the spray, spray bottle is good for like hand strengthening and yeah. wiping the windows is good for shoulder strengthening. Right, right. You know, and all, all right. So that's easy. I'm like, familiar a little with all yeah, so so all of those activities could be learning and beneficial for your child as well as totally. also you know buying time for cleaning totally totally um okay well maybe we'll come back to like the cleaning and like how to make it fun because any you said like it could be fun and so right. maybe we'll come back to that but um another another component is that you know 
Pesach especially comes with a lot of food restrictions. So, you know, I guess first things first is that what, what do you recommend parents do with picky eaters during the holidays? Um, especially, yeah, I guess with, especially when they're used to their, like their routine foods, like how do we, how do we help? Like meaning like children who really like to have chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no shit. I mean, right. maybe there are some like version of it, but it's not going to be what they're used to. Right, so for sure. So how it, do we it's a challenging thing. It's really a challenging thing. And I have some children that I've seen that will eat one thing the entire Pesach and that's it. But again, it's Pesach. It's short term. It's not forever. Right. So thinking you're having in your, you know, stressing over it as a parent is going to breed stress to the child and mm -hmm. the child's going to eat less or, you know, not going to try new foods. If you introduce new foods, they have potential of trying it. But if you're stressed about it and you're forceful, they're not going to want to try it. So how do you introduce new foods in a, in a, in a non-stressful way? So you but can make like, it fun. You yeah, can make so it fun. Um, you know, making smiley faces with the different Cheerios that come out for Pesach, you know, or um, having them take a small teeny bite, like just a small bite to taste it. And they may like it. You know, they may continue eating more or have, seeing other people eat it, other siblings, family members trying different foods. Um at different activities, play activities, you could do with different foods, um, building a tower, um, color coding. There's a lot of fun things that you could do with foods, but also you can play, play, read them a book, play with them while you're feeding them, which may help them tolerate They'll other just foods. like start eating. Yeah. And <laughs> um, <hear> <laughs> but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for the picky eaters. And I think a lot of it is not to stress. It's short term. It's only for a short period of time. As long as a child's eating something, getting enough, you know, either liquid or intake of food, something, they'll be okay for the week. You and know? if they're and if they're not, what do we do when they're so they're if, like refusing? Like if, if they're refusing, then th that's a difficult problem because they yeah. need to have liquids, they need to be hydrated, and they need to have some food in their body. Um, I would say ask a rabbi. <laughs> I right. That's what I would say. They're not getting enough um, nutrients. You know, it. it may be a medical issue. Got it. Oh, yeah. wow, wow. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Another component that with like with regards to routine that really gets thrown off is, you know, when, when people fly or going to visit family, let's say. So, you know, first things first in terms of just like sleep, you know, I mean, like everyone's sleep schedule gets so rocked, right. like in a crazy, crazy way. So like, how do we, how do, how can we make it easier? Are there things that we can do? I mean, I know like you're saying like, no, no going in, it's hard. Okay. So right. and then once we know that though, how can we, what do we do? So I think as parents, if possible, if your child naps, take a nap during that time. It may not be like the easiest thing because you may want to go sightseeing, you know, if you're in Israel or whatever, mm -hmm. maybe wherever you are, you may want to do things during that time. But if they're napping, take a nap with them so that at least you're getting your sleep while they're getting their sleep. Right. If they're sleeping and you're not, it's going to be really hard for you when they wake up. They're yeah. going to be full of energy and you're going to be zonked, you right, know? Right, so right. Um, to best cope with them during these hectic times, it's really important for you to get your sleep. So Got I think- it trying to stick to their schedule is important and also making sure that they, that you're not doing too much and that they have time to sleep and they have time for their naps. Because right. I know some parents have like a schedule and agenda. They want to get things done. They want to do things, but their children really need sleep because right. the nights are hectic. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's important to make sure that the children have their own sleep time, even when they're away. And what about when, you know, children don't get that sleep? So, you know, they're, they're super cranky overtired. What do we, what do we do then? So there are some strategies that could help children calm themselves. Um, you know, schedule is going to be hectic, um, but depressure. So giving them, wrapping them up like a bear hug is super calming, wrapping mm. them tight in a blanket, um, a warm bath before bed, um, calming music. Those are certain things that could be calming for them, especially when they're super overtired. Right, right. Um, but I think making sure that they have sleep throughout the 
this whole period is important so that they don't get cranky. But right. if they do, you can try those strategies to calm them down. That's great. That's great. In terms of, you know, one of the things you mentioned before is that, you know, they might be getting like whatever they want <laughs> during this time. So I feel like that especially applies to food. Um, and like, they're just going to like snack. Cause it's just like a very like lack of schedule. Right. So, you know, how do we, how do we help our children to make healthy food choices when it's like super, super hectic and there's a lot of treats and there's, you know, right. holidays, you know, there's right. A lot of- right. There's a lot, there's, it's a lot of looseness during yeah. this time. Um, so we just finished Purim and Purim had like a lot <laughs> a of lot candy. Of <laughs> um, so Pesach is also, I mean, there aren't so many snacks available. There's more like chips and chocolate. Like chocolate. Yeah. A lot of chocolate. <laughs> so, My childhood of Pesach was a lot of really good chocolate. That's like, <laughs> so I had those like jelly, uh, you know, half, uh, oh, half yeah. circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, um, by giving them choices, so explain to them that they have regular mealtime with regular food and then they can have treats, but they can choose one or two treats. So not giving them like a full spread of like whatever you want to eat or in the cabinet, this is our nosh cabinet and go, right. you know, go wild, giving them choices, one or two a day. You can pick one or two a day, maybe one in the morning or one in the afternoon. And that's your treat for the day, having them prepare and be excited for it. So mm. which treats are you going to pick tomorrow? So that at it's what not, age can they, can they do that? Even at two. Really? Yeah. Even, even at two years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I think, giving them the choice gives them that freedom to choose and they like that independence um but not allowing them to go overboard and let them choose whatever they want got it got it okay well i'm happy you just mentioned independence because that's exactly what i want to talk about what what is your definition of independence so independence again is different for every child and some children are very independent some children want to be super independent. Some children like to be dependent on their parents. Some children may need more time like or, or assistance from their parents or their caregivers to be independent. So it's right. really different for every child. Um, we want children to be independent, but we want them to be safe. We don't want them to do things that are dangerous. Right, Some children right. want to be independent and they do things that are totally right. dangerous, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think by allowing children to experience certain situations like doing things on their own that are safe activities that promotes their independence mm-hmm. that shows them that they could be independent. Um, and that builds their self-confidence. So what are, what I guess at different ages, like what are those things that we should start to allow them to do and watch things are okay, right. maybe like, I, I recently saw this video of, it was like a, a child who was like literally like a very young child, maybe three or four, who was cooking a full, like really a full egg on a pan. I'm like, this yeah. is crazy. And then it, and then it like, it like zoomed back and it showed like, like 15 times that the child kept trying, the parents just like let them try and eventually they got it right. So I'm like, how, is that like what That's we should be doing? Not not safe. Should be doing? Okay. <laughs> that is not safe. No cooking at three to four years of age. But um, what the basic, like from the early on, right, the first sort of thing that p- kids can do, feed themselves, right? So I would say like, at, you know, at a year, you know, um, finger foods and then utensils, feeding themselves with utensils, even if they make a huge mess, it's important for them to learn that they can be independent with that. Um, after that goes dressing. So I know a lot of parents that dress their children. It's just faster. It's easier, but yeah. really you're not giving the child the exposure to let them try to do it on their own. So what age, what age does, let's say that like they the can dressing. start getting themselves undressed at 15 months, 
you know, I would say even, even 12 months, if they're able to take off their pants, pull down their pants a little bit. Um, but really starting at that age progressively so they can take off their clothing first before they can put it on. So that would be the first step. Um, putting it on is a little harder. So around three, I would say getting dressed. Um, but then other things around the house. So helping out, throwing things in the garbage, let's say cleaning up, um, giving cleaning tasks, but also organizing tasks of like, you know, organize your backpack after you did your schoolwork, put it away um put away your clothing you know things like that um Mm -hmm. progressively all the tasks that they do brushing their teeth start early um let them you know you can help them holding their hand with yours and then they should be doing it on their own at about three you know and what if what about like those times when a child asks you like for bed they're tired like can you put your my pajamas on or can you help me brush my teeth tonight so how do you are you should you say yes should you like like no like you really need to learn the dependency like right so so basically if it's a one-time thing if you if they can do it and they know they can do it and they're just tired or whatever it may be or they want some tlc that's fine for one but if but if they need, need to learn the task, you really should give them that exposure. Um, many times children that have a hard time doing it will ask for help because they know it's hard for them. Uh-huh. But empowering them to do it by themselves is really where they're going to they're going to build. They're right, going to get right. that skill. They're going to feel good about themselves and explaining to them, it doesn't need to be perfect. Do as much as you can and I'll help you with the rest. Got so it. you are there to help them if they need help, but they should start on their own and Got try it. at least. So I mean, like a parent should not feel bad about saying like, really, you should be doing this. Like, yeah, no, I know you can do this, you know, right. try to do it yourself. I'm here to help you if you need help, just, you right. know, and show them, you know, that it could be done. Show them how to do it, like visually, like show them how to pull off their sock. And then they may realize, oh, that's all it is. Okay. I mm. can do that or even hold their finger and do it with them. That's a great point. And when you show it to them, you're like, oh, it's not as crazy as I thought it was. Yeah, it becomes doable. That's a very good point. And then I guess how would that apply to older children? Meaning how do we promote independence with with older children? So I think of it, a lot of it is self-confidence. The older children, a lot of them want to be independent, almost sometimes too independent. Yeah. But the ones that don't are usually afraid or they have low self-confidence. They're not sure that they could do it, that they'll succeed. Mm -hmm. So building up their self-confidence is really where it's at. And then again, showing them that they could do it. And praising them when they do it and sharing it with everyone that they did, you know, look what he did and like, you know, making it a big um, deal. Is that the way to build up their self-confidence? Yeah. So so showing them that it could be done. Also not making it if if you see that they're struggling, let's say they can't tie their shoes and it's really hard for them and their siblings are around, making it private, working on it with them in a private setting Mm -hmm. so that it's not shared with everyone else. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Um, Okay. So, you know, we, we were talking before about like, Kind of like, you know, like it's, it's normal for them to be a part of things. So like chores, Mm -hmm. do you recommend chores? I think chores are good. I think too much, too many demands are not good. I think there has to be a balance. What's the, what would you say is the, is the ideal balance then? So I think, you know, chores that are rotating. So, so children are getting different chores at different times. I mean, not like that, like you do this every week. No, I think, I think some flexibility is important for them because who wants to do the same thing all the time? It gets boring after a while, you know? So I think changing it up. I feel like that's like the old school model. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Giving them choices, you know, um, changing it up, giving opportunities for different activities. Also, if they haven't done something, they may be excited to try something new, you know? Um, so sharing the wealth between siblings, if 
their other siblings to help and then making it fun, uh, making it fun. And also, you know, treating them like if you did, let's say, have a, a chart, they did, you know, two weeks or whatever it may be of chores and they get stars on their chart, then they get some type of small treat, you know, afterwards. So it's something to look forward to. Uh, it's not just a chore, but it's a fun activity. So how do you be, how do you make it fun? Bes- I mean, is the way to make it fun through that like chart or is there other ways to make it more like, I guess, intrinsically? So I fun? think I think. Um, music is important. So if you have music on in your house, mm. so that makes it more fun. I think also if everyone's doing it, Gotta there have other- that Arab Shabbos yeah, playlist. It's a big sure. deal. So yeah. I, I hold strongly it, of that. It changes the whole vibe totally, of the house. Totally. So music is really amazing in terms of motivating children. Um, also, if they see that the other siblings are doing it, they're more inclined to do it and they'll feel part of the group. It'll be a family activity that they're doing together. And that that builds good, good vibes, you know, totally. good family vibes. So totally. I think that builds a lot of fun, but also, you know, they can try their own techniques. So let's say, you know, you're showing them how to do something and they want to try a different way. Okay, great. Try it. Let's yeah. see, you know, letting them feel out how to do it on their own is really, you know, totally. and in terms of like, you know, like you're saying like the chart. So do you recommend like money? Cause I know like that, I also feel like that was like very like yeah. old school. Like, you know, like if you do this at the end of the week, we'll give you like $2 right. or whatever yeah. it was. Right, right. Yeah. So is that like, you recommend that or not? So no, not necessarily. I think, um, if you start small, then, then that's good because if you start big, then, you know, there's, it's endless. Kids want everything, you know? Right. So I think if you smart, start with small things, they'll appreciate the small things. So even, you know, I have children that work for a chocolate chip, which seems right. like basic, you know, but that is motivating for them. So find, what's motivating for your children ask them what they want to work for and then put that picture or whatever that is at the end of the chart so when they get to the end of the chart they see what's there and they Mm -hmm. know it and it could be you know a a question mark like you know mystery prize or whatever it is it doesn't have to be money Um, I think but you definitely think there should be a prize meaning it's not like just like expectations you live in this house like again I I think it depends on the family I think it depends on the parents yeah I think in my experience, that does work well. I'm saying if they see a light at the end of the tunnel, they're more likely to work for it, um, even if it's small. You know, if it's just demanded on them, then they may push back and not want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think if it's, you know, encouraged and, you know, this is your activity for the week and there's some flex in it that there is um, opportunity for different activities each week, it's not so regimented and so rigid that children will partake in it. They right. won't fight back. And how do, I guess, what the only thing that I wonder with that is like, how do we maintain the balance of them not being like, well, every time you ask them to do something, it's like, oh, well, what am I going to get? Am, right. I, am I getting a chocolate chip? Am I getting that prize? Or Because right. then how does that, I mean, because you don't want it to then. No. So you have to build up to it. It can't be like a day-to-day thing. It needs to be like a schedule, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone has to be on that schedule. So some families do like, if everyone stays on and on their chores, then everyone can get a prize. And if, right. if you- but I'm saying, what if it's like a one-off? Like, it's like, it's not within the chores. It's just like, oh, can you help me clean out this? Oh, yeah. You know, so right. they're like, wait, what am I getting? No, so, you know, so, so set the rules. The rules are, we have the prize chart and, you know, and I need your help right now with this. But if you do your chores, we'll get that prize. So we redirecting them and sort of explaining to them that, you know, there's a, there's chore chart and then there's real life and you know, <laughs> you need to help out you know, during that in the house yeah, when, yeah. You, when it's not on the chore chart. Totally. Yeah. And how, how would you recommend parents to, I guess, I guess where it would be like maintain consistency with managing them? Because I feel like it, it's like, sometimes we come up with like this grandiose chart. We're like, we're excited. We, you know, the kids get excited and then it's like, 
one week later, yeah, it falls apart. <laughs> it's, it falls apart. It totally like fizzles. Like totally. Yeah. So, so yeah. It's, so it's important again. Like every family is different. Charts may work for some families. They may not work for others. Um, flexibility within the chores may work for some families. It may not work for others. Mm-hmm. You have to try it out and see what works for your family. Totally. Um, there's nothing's ever going to be perfect, but I think understanding that we make mistakes and as parents we're allowed to make mistakes. So if we try something and it doesn't work, we can try again. You know, um, I think giving that leeway as parents is important. Um, you know, you're there for your children, you want what's best for them, but something just may not work and you have to sort of rethink it. Totally. Totally. You know, when you were just saying like, we have to like sometimes rethink it. So like, I feel like in the kitchen, you know, having children in the kitchen can sometimes be like, could be like a love hate thing. It's like on the one hand, it's like, oh, this is so beautiful, making challah with my children or baking with my children. And it's like this amazing, like very like serene, you know, setting. On the other hand, sometimes it could be like yeah. <laughs> the biggest mess ever, yeah. <laughs> and like the flowers everywhere. Right. <laughs> like, for sure. So you know, I, I guess how do we obviously how do we make it more of the love as opposed to the the hate? You know, how do we like make it less stressful? So I think that you have to sort of. Um, have different sections of cooking in your head. So there's cooking that could be done with children and there's cooking that can't really be done with children. Mm-hmm. Ideally, that's the way it should be. You should have activities, baking activities with your children that are fun, that you can give your full um, attention to and that are simple and that, that will be a good experience for you and the child. And there are some things that are more complicated that you know, if a child's around, it's going to be very difficult to complete the task. So sort of compartmentalizing and seeing what you can do with the child and having it be a positive experience versus what you need to do when they're sleeping um, is important because, you know, you, everyone has good intentions, but then when there's flour all over the place and, you know, five (laughs) kids running around, you know, it ends up being hectic and, you you know, it gets out of control. So you have to really think about what could be done with the child, even if it's a basic recipe, but that is going to be a good experience for them. They're going to leave thankful you're gonna leave happy everyone's gonna go to bed and then you can you know make your fancy sure (laughs) totally totally you know one of the things that we were talking about before was that you know being able to allow children to you know maybe they're gonna when they're trying to feed themselves make a total totally big mess so how do we as parents make us like allow ourselves to be more okay with that like let's say we want them to be independent with doing the laundry and helping with the laundry let's say they're gonna then like ruin the laundry (laughs) so like you know like how do we uh, you know if we want to let them experiment and then like okay like maybe that was a good learning experience and then next time they won't do it but how do we manage our own internal feelings and going craziness when when that's happening so taking deep breaths you know (laughs) going to the bathroom shutting the door counting to 10 um the parents also have to de-stress you know there's a lot of that um you know parents have to work on coping skills just like kids have to work on coping skills so knowing that if you're going to be introducing this activity you are taking the risk that it may you know not work and that your laundry may get ruined um but again choosing which activities you're going to let them do and what, what they're not so maybe it's not like putting the detergent in the wash but just like loading in unloading, which Mm -hmm. is a simple task that you really can't really mess up. Um, So choosing what you're going to do, but also knowing that if you are introducing it and, you know, you're you're maybe questionable about it, that, okay, you know, things may happen that you may not be happy with. Right. Like at some point we do have to allow, meaning like you were saying, like, Sometimes, sometimes we don't allow them to do that task. Then, but then, at what point do we say, okay, now we can't allow them to do that task? So, if they sh- it depends on the child and their abilities. If you feel that they're capable of doing it, and you show them what to do, and then they practice it, then I think it's a good opportunity for them to do it independently. Um, that also builds confidence. So, if they failed, and then you you practice with them, and they see that they succeed, that's going to really be a good learning yeah. experience for them. Totally, because we all fail at some point. Totally, you know? totally, it's very true. In terms of Pre Pesach, what of these, I guess, chores 
can we expect children to be a part of and how do we make it fun? Cause I know what, that's what we spoke about before, but let's right. like, let, now it's that, let's dive into it. So more. a lot of, um, like sponge activities are good. So squeezing out sponges, wiping with sponges, mm. um, squeezing sponges are really good for sensory, like for calming cause it's deep pressure, but it's also good for hand strengthening and it's fun, right? Who doesn't like sponges? Yeah. So, and it's also, you could use water and water is not dirty. So if they yeah. make a mess, okay, it's water. Um, you could also have them do wiping. So if you have like a towel, they can wipe things down with water and that's also helpful. I mean, you know, wiping is a basic activity, you know, you need some hand strength. Um, but that's, really it really they can wipe tables they can wipe floors they can wipe cabinets they can wipe the outside of the fridge they can wipe windows like things like that um wiping is a good activity they can also do um sweeping or mopping an older child mm. you know not a, a toddler but a preschool child can help out with sweeping and mopping yeah that's true so, so there are different cleaning except for using you know dangerous cleaning supplies yeah can be a really good task it's also good for endurance for energy building for children um, a lot of children that are hyperactive need that deep input so like mopping with a heavy mop sweeping um, pushing furniture you know is really good for them hmm. for calming them wow yeah. so interesting so you know and also with um with a to-do list like you know like, like we all have these major to-do lists especially before Pesach so sometimes parents sometimes parents like to include our children in those to-do lists and sometimes it's better that they're not involved like like we were talking about before so how do we you know when we when we're dealing with it, one of those types of situations where it's better for them not to be a part of it right. um, like or the cooking or it's better for them you know this one they shouldn't be involved right. in so how do we promote independent play or them doing something independently on their own when let's say they're not as used to that or they're not really excited about that. Right. So I think it's important to give them one-on-one -on -one time, like even during the busyness and the hecticness, if they have some one-on-one -on -one time, then they can play on their own at a different time. Um, so if there's no one-on-one -on -one time, they're going to crave that mm. attention and they may act out, but giving them even a small bit of one-on-one -on -one time during that hectic season will be good for them. Also having supplies, arts and crafts, toys that they like to play with, even buying, you know, one or two new toys that are new to them, you know, cause children get bored of toys. Yeah. So, or having arts and crafts activities for the older kids so that they have things to work on while you're busy. If they don't, they may be bored and they'll act out or they'll start right. doing trouble, right, you know? Right. So I think being prepared is, is really important for them. Having, um, the toys or the arts and crafts, even small things for them that they can do while you're busy will keep them busy, excited and not in the kitchen. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a great, it's a great point. You know, one of, one of the, I feel like everyone talks about these days is, is self care, right? You know, actually we discussed on, uh, on an earlier episode in, in this, uh, in this podcast about self-awareness more so than just self-care. So, you know, how, how can parents, if they, especially if they are self-aware, how can they, you know, ma manage their own personal stress? Because I feel like, like you were saying, if we don't want our children to have this like feeling of Pesach is this just stressful time and it's all about cleaning. It's this intensity. And like, we finally get to Pesach and it's like, everyone at this point is just like stressed right. and like annoyed. <laughs> so like, how do we, how do we as parents manage our own, you know, our own feelings? So, okay. So self-care is super different for every person, for every parent. Um, it could be, you know, taking a couple deep breaths. It could be taking a walk. It could be drinking a hot coffee with no one in the room. It can be anything, listening to music. It's important that every parent does that, partakes in some type of self-care. It doesn't mean you have to go for a massage every week or, you <laughs> right. know, go for a massage every Pesach, but- This is not a permission to yeah. go get a massage, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it means that you're taking care of yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of everyone else? Totally. And it's really important. Again, 
childhood, you know, like that would never fly in my house. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. you had to work to the last minute right before Pesach. <laughs> you know, there was no, you know, Same. taking care of yourself. But right now in my own experience, I know when I need to take time for myself. And I think it's important for every parent. It's not being selfish. It's really being careful and it's being, you know, good for your family, good for you and for your family. Cause again, you're not gonna be able to give if you don't have that for yourself. Totally. Totally. And, uh, I guess, you know, as we wrap up, whether, are there any things that parents wouldn't even think to ask about within this topic of, you know, routines, independency, especially as we prepare for Pesach. So I think that it's important to, again, have these expectations, but know going into Pesach that things may not work out just the way that you envision it. And that's okay. So, you know, Pesach is Pesach. It's beautiful. It should be a nice holiday, but Again, it's difficult. It's difficult for everyone, no matter how much you prepare, no matter how much you take care of yourself or all of that. It's going to be hard. But knowing that it's a week and then it's back to routine, enjoy it. Enjoy your kids. Um, you know, sit with them, take time with them, um, you know, play with them, learn with them, teach them. And then it'll be over before you know it. So yeah. um, it is a very stressful, difficult time for parents, but also a time where they can grow get closer to their children, spend time with them and really enjoy and also give them memories that they'll remember good mm. memories. Yeah. Um, yeah. so make it a positive experience. Try to make it as positive as you can, but it's going to be different for every person and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. This is so, so many amazing, amazing tips, really practical things for all parents to uh, really get ready for Pesach in the, in the best possible way. And really thank you for taking the time. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of this pre-Pesach series. This was uh, this was really an incredible episode. It really, I found this to be so insightful, so helpful. I loved the idea of making cleaning fun and the specific examples like sponges and, you know, wiping things and, and the, the, all the different helpful components of it, you know, the, the strengthening endurance and all these different components. It was really super insightful and I'd love to hear, I'd really love to hear what you gained out of it. So visit us at jenoff.org, comment on the, on the episode, call our hotline and follow us on Instagram, comment on, on the, on the episode. We'd, I, I'd love to interact with you. Follow us on Instagram at parenting the Jews next door on Twitter. at your Manchel and join us again next week as we work together to parent the Jews next door on another pre-Pesach episode.